You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, my name is Tanya Pinkins, and I'm the host of the podcast You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. This fall, I have a special treat for you. In honor of my debut feature film, Red Pill, Marissa Lynn Daniels Studio has been hosting weekly conversations with my fellow Broadway colleagues and co-host Sierra Renee about the red pilling of America. These conversations create a safe space for us to talk about the things that are on our mind with an election and a global pandemic. So join us for the Red Pilling of America, a spotlight series every Saturday at 5 p.m. Or on the Broadway Podcast Network, you can't say that, bpn.fm forward slash YCST. Join the conversation. smart you is important you is dead tanya pinkins horror film red pill brings african-american perspective to progressive movement we are a majority in this country and we're gonna win the election do you know what the red pill is a red pill is someone who infiltrates a group and then destroys them from the inside. This place is spooky. Some people like to live dangerously. Gas, why are you so jumpy tonight? You know what, guys? I'm gonna go back tomorrow. Did you hear about the creature woman that attacked a father and son hunting down here? I don't see the case. This place creeps me out. We should call the sheriff's office. The only people missing or dead are brown people. They're after all of us. What do we do, Amelia? We die. But we take some of them with us. Why do you care about this stuff? <laughs> I can't help it. It's fucking annoying. 
Why do you you care? Were your parents activists? Were your parents involved in this? Like, why do you care? You know, my parents are not activists. They're, um, you know, they're, they're Iranians from Iran. uh, And I think very much ascribed to what I, what I talked about before of that, just like, put your head down, don't make too much noise, you know, um, do good by doing well. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of thing of like, look, uh, I, yeah, of course the Amazon is terrible. Just get really rich and donate some money to the Amazonians. You know what I mean? <laughs> why? How did you become this way? I don't, I'm not really sure. I think, you know, it may have to do with, um, with feeling isolated as a kid, being the only Persian kid in my school, skipping a grade and being a year younger than anyone. I don't, I don't know if I was, I don't know if I'd use the term bullied, but, um, but I certainly felt marginalized. Right. Um, and, um, and I think as someone who has been marginalized, I have, I have radar for that. Right. Um, as someone who struggled with my identity uh, I have radar for identity politics, right? Um, uh, you know, I grew up in a Persian household in a multicultural city um, run by white people, right? Um, I, um, I, uh, I'm a little small. I'm not terribly butch. And, you know, every now and then people thought I might be gay. And, um, uh, and so I've, I've, I've always been fascinated by identity. Right. And so when I see people being uh, marginalized, that pings for me. When I see people being marginalized because of their identity, that's a double ping for me. Right. Um, and so I just, I can't help it. I can't, I don't know. I, I, it just, I pay attention to it. And I, I think, I think unlike a lot of people, I see the problems in our world is actually very simple to solve. I think they're mm-hmm. very straightforward. And I think that's what gets my goat so much, <laughs> right? Okay. Here's, here's what some, some people see as a problem. I have a different take on it, but I want to know your take on it. You know, we got 75 million people who, you know, are kind of QAnon-y conspiracy theorists. And we got 80 million people who are, you know, say they believe in democracy. And we got 100 million in the middle who just their life is too much. They can't get involved. How do we solve that? Or is there's a problem? I mean, do you think that's a problem? I think that's not a problem. Does that have to be solved? <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. It's definitely a problem. So I think Why? we can agree on that. You know, I think that one of the biggest problems, uh, and, and I agree with, um, oh crap, I'm blanking on his name, but he created the um, the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. Brian um, Stevenson. Brian Stevenson. Brian Stevenson. Yes, yes. I was thinking Stephen Stephen. Uh, no, Brian Stevenson. Um, that that we don't in this country understand our history and we haven't been taught our history so we can't understand what we haven't been taught exactly 
Exactly. And I think, and, and more to the point, I don't think we understand racism. Um, I, I think that, I think that uh, uh, Gene Denby, who um, co-hosts uh, NPR's Code Switch podcast, uh, he has a phrase, housing segregation in everything. And what's interesting is there's, there's two ways to read that phrase, right? There is housing segregation in everything. And also mm. we are housing segregation in everything, mm. right? Mm. Um, so I think that too many Americans don't have a concept of uh, how racism has operated in our country for so long, right? There's, there's a ton of Americans who were like, man, I can't wait for racism to be over on January 20th. Right? Oh, well, they're in, they're, it's going to be a rough day for them. <laughs> right? And, 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 and I, I would say that, you know, of the 75 million people who voted for Trump. I never say his name. Fair enough. 45. Uh, fair enough. I'm with that. No, no, no adding energy to that. All right. Okay. <laughs> I would say 5 million of them think they're racist. 5 million of them go, you know what? Yeah, I'm racist. I don't give a fuck. And I would think 70 million of them would go, how dare you? Right? And, and the reason is that they don't understand what racism is. So I think right. that I think that's the problem. I think that, I think that, you know, now look, that's a complex solution, but the reason is very straightforward that, that we don't understand. We have never been taught what racism is. Right. And now, I, think, I have I another that as, as, as Brian Stevenson would say, if we had a real sort of truth and reconciliation in this country, that would change things. Well, I just came back from Seoul, Korea a country that has uh, COVID under their country where the community comes first. You introduce yourself by your own place, a big part in there. And so within two days, within four days of two people dying of COVID who had come in from Wuhan, they had a national policy in place and less than 500 people of 50 million have died. Um, it's pretty empty. People are staying home. Um, but everyone wears a mask all the time. The surveillance that is available everywhere in the world, they use it to track people and to let you know in every neighborhood on your phone and when you go in restaurants. And that's really wonderful. But they have a high suicide rate. And I also got to experience what it's like to not get to have individual freedoms there and the pain and suffering that people have because the expectation is to serve the community. And coming back to America after that, I started having this um, thought that possibly the strength of America is in the polarity, that that's what's keeping the scales balanced, that we've got these people over here and we got these people over here. And somehow that is, it's the only nation in the world with this kind of polarity that's still holding. So two things. Doesn't feel balanced, does it? 
believe in the reconciliation of opposites. Uh-huh. So I, I, in that sense, I feel like, you know, there's light, there's shadow. And from, you know, the 45 voters side, the Biden voters are the shadow and vice versa. I mean, and that's kind of what my movie is. It's like, I'm showing you two groups of people who see each other in very different ways. What's the truth? Is there even such a thing as truth? I mean, phenomenology says that there is no reality other than the one you experience. I mean, right. But I think it goes without saying that, well, not it goes without saying, I think it bears saying that uh, our uh, maternal mortality rate is going up, particularly among black, brown, slash poor women. And things are getting worse for black and brown people and poor people in general. Right. I'm going to take the devil's advocate with you <laughs> and we're going to talk about factfulness. And mm-hmm. it's a really wonderful book written, written by the Swedish Minister of Health. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that, he talks about the fact that most journalists are, are, have, are educated from like 1965. The fact is that on the planet, everything has gotten better for everybody on the planet. And if you were to take a test about what is the state of the world for everybody, it's better for everybody. There's still really, really shitty stuff. But on a hold, everything is evolving towards the better. And it is not mutually exclusive that there could be a lot of shitty stuff and that everything could still be better for everybody. It's better for everybody, but it's getting better more quickly for a smaller and smaller few than for the great many, right? Income inequality, particularly in this country, is getting worse much, much more quickly, right? The, 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 cli- the climate uh, disaster that is coming will affect... Wealth. Oh, I'm losing you. Wealth is moving from the West. Oh no, are we losing us? Wealth is, we used to live in a two-hump yeah. world, the poor and the yeah. rich. And now we're moving into a, a more of a one hump world where the wealth is not totally concentrated. I mean, you know what he said, people for whom $1 a day more would change the quality of their life. And there are people for whom $46 a day, which are the wealthiest people in the world, would not change the quality of their life. So I think our ideas about wealth and are still very antiquated. You know, there there are people in America who could, what, Mitch McConnell, he could pay the salaries of everybody in Kentucky and raise the standard of living of that whole state. He's got that kind of wealth. So for me, that's more of like, is it good? Is it bad? we created it. We somehow in our consent, we created this. We have an opportunity to create something else, but I will tell you that I feel much more secure with someone, you know, who would say, I don't like niggers than I do with someone who would be like, oh, 
I don't see color or, oh, I, 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 you know, I come on over, you know, there's a, there's an authenticity to someone who is clear that I don't like you and I don't want you in my house than to people who, you know, are being politically correct. And you can tell that there's, there's incongruity. And that's what I feel about New York city and the arts community. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And, you know, it's like, it's like the emperor has no clothes on and, and nobody tells them. I mean, I tell them all the time and, you know, I pay the price for it because I can't live in the gaslighting craziness of like, you trying to make me think you're, and it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I get that. I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Right. Uh, there's times where I go, you hate me? Just tell me you hate me, right? And then there's other times where I go, I know that you hate me, but I just, can you lie to me for one fucking day? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't want you to lie to me for no day. <laughs> just tell me you hate me and we can just stay away from each other. Sure. So I can see that you hate me anyway. Whether you say it or not, I can feel it. But look, I mean, I, th I think that, I think that that, it's funny. I think that that applies to Hollywood in in some in some really specific ways too, right? So there are white creators in Hollywood who are putting more uh, black and brown people in their projects because they feel outside pressure, right? Yeah. Not because they That's give a shit, right? There's, there are many who give a shit, don't get me wrong, right? But, then, but there is a group that could not care less, but is only doing it because the network is telling them to. And they're, that's what I call, they're moving away from discomfort. And soon as they're comfortable again, they'll, fall, they'll stop doing what they were doing and they'll fall back. We, in my opinion, haven't come to a place where it's gotten so uncomfortable for everybody that we are visioning a new way. And that new yeah. way has not existed yet. So we can't solve this thing with old solutions, you know? Yeah. We're all thinking. We got to come up with a new thinking to create something that has never existed before. No, I, I mean, I agree. But I think in, in the short term, right, if some white creator who doesn't give a shit about, uh, uh, about diversity is forced to cast some black and brown people, in the short term, that's money in the pocket of some brown and black people. And I can't hate on that, right? I, I, think it's, I, I think it's important to understand the context in which that's happening, right? And to say, we have to, we have to fight for better than that. We definitely but, have to fight for better than that. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, rich white people take really good care of their pets and they will happily make you one. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's what I talk about when I talk about my function, right? <laughs> they will put you in a nice cage and a beautiful <laughs> And as R Rashad Robinson says, do not confuse presence for power. There are a lot of very wealthy, very successful, highly awarded celebrities who have no power. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I think that that's why, I think that that's why we have to take those roles that that person 
deigned to give us, right? And keep fighting for more. I, I think I think the most dangerous thing is to say to um, uh, a white person, you, you've done the work, you're good, right? <laughs> because when even if they- would ever say that? When would they ever say that? I, I mean, wouldn't even the, say that to a black person. I'm still doing the work. I'll be working for the rest of my life. There's a lot of white people saying that to each other in Hollywood right I, now. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and it, I think that that's one of the hardest things for me. Like, like I, I feel like the work is forever. And the work is what makes being alive exciting. Like, if you don't have anything to get up for to work, w- w- what's the point? I but totally I mean, I know that there are people who just, I don't know, they want to sit on a beach all day, like slit my wrist. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe like six years ago, something like that. My wife got me a t-shirt that said, this is what a feminist looks like, right? This was a popular shirt a few years ago. Um, and, uh, and because here's the thing, I, I, after, after a few years with my wife, I, definitely think of myself who is trying to do the work, right? But what's interesting is after a few years, my wife said, I don't think I want you to wear that shirt anymore. And I said, uh, I said, say more. And she goes, I don't, I don't like the idea that men can label themselves as a good one because Mm. all men have misogyny in them, even if they've done all the work (laughs) there is. And so, and, you know, and, and that is how we have, you know, fuck it, Harvey Firestein donating millions of dollars to Hillary Clinton and then raping people. Right. Because he was seen as someone like, Oh, what a, what an ally he's done. He's doing the work. He's helping. He's making things better. And at the same time, he's a predator. And on a much smaller scale, that's happening with people like me who are labeling themselves as feminists, but also fucking inherently misogynistic. And then white people who are saying, look, I've got, I've got black people working for me. I'm hiring black people. I'm casting black people, right? But, but then you ask them, well, how many, how many people of color are making business decisions in your company right right and then and that's when it goes oh well i guess i do have more work to do right and so uh you know i think um i don't know i love i it's weird i like doing it I, i i like um i like finding new places where i can be of service where i can be an ally to someone you know uh i like when when i go oh wow Look, I don't I don't like finding out that I was blind to something, but I do like having my blinders taken off. You know? With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So, I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah, that's a, that's been a big... Um, I used to, in my younger days, not even that long ago, I would really get mad at myself when I realized I believed something and then I find out I was wrong. And now I'm like, yeah, that's just going to keep happening for the rest of your life. If you're lucky, <laughs> you'll keep finding out you were wrong. And I kind of try to sell myself, let's just die to every story you have, even if it's a story you like. Be willing to die to that story. Be willing to, to know that everything is a story. Yeah. And you made me think about Anand Giradadas, who wrote Winner Takes All, Love you know, it. about the way that, you know, philanthropy has become a way for companies to, uh, you know, sell themselves as doing good while raping communities. I mean, you should see these new ads that ExxonMobil has about saving the environment. It's like, you're, you're ExxonMobil. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, you know, Chandra, I was talking about how, um, you know, companies like Facebook and Uber and Airbnb are bringing in all these diversity consultants, right? And hiring more brown people, right? And it's like, well, great, but what is your company doing to brown communities, <laughs> right? It's like, it, it's it's sort of like, I think the uh, the metaphor I used was like, uh, it's like the devil is hiring more brown demons to torture people with. It's like, great, I guess. <laughs> well, but here it is. The shift has to be from giving people jobs and thinking you're doing something from them to building wealth. When are you going to build wealth in other communities? And one of the things that I personally experience a lot is that I have what are called foul weather friends. And when Obama was elected, I knew that that was kind of over. I was like, Obama's here, benevolence to brown people is gonna be over. But most of the time, white people who wanna help me, they actually think they're helping me. They don't ever perceive of me as their equal or, as someone who might actually be able to help them. And usually the relationship goes sour when they realize that I didn't need their help or that I excel them. Like the, 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 what it meant for them was look what I'm doing. I'm helping this brown person. Yeah. Boy, that's deep. <laughs> uh, you know, I, What's what's interesting to me about that is that is that it there's there's a there's a light in there there's a goodness in there right it's someone acknowledging acknowledging their privilege to an extent and trying to make up for it to an extent right but still holding on to uh, 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 that that uh table that's not even right 
So it's and they're invested in that status thing. They're invested in it because it's that thing they say that if you if there are people if, if someone has one dollar, someone has two dollars, and someone has three dollars, and they tell the person with two dollars, we will give you two dollars to give, or we give you a dollar and you can give it to someone else, and they say that statistically people will give it to the person with three dollars <laughs> they don't want to shift this their status from being over the person with one dollar and bring them up to being equal yeah i mean i get uh, you know I, I think that i don't think it's terribly surprising that people are invested in maintaining privilege right um gosh my, my next week guest is a guy named Tyson Yunkaporta and his book, Sand Talk, is extraordinary. And he's an Aboriginal First Nation person. And he says that in their culture, they believe the greatest sin that, this, that the devil, that Lucifer is the belief that you are above anything, including a rock. You are not, a, that the belief that you are above anything is the sin. And I, I don't know why, but I've just always, that's like, I was fascinated by the story of stuff because I always feel like I don't have any material needs and you know, I I'm blessed. I have everything I need. So I spend money to keep it in circulation to make sure other people have what they need. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, I think that there's also a place for compassion towards those with privilege who want so desperately to hold on to it because I think a lot of that is driven by fear, right? I mean, I think that I think that the, if, if you if you as a white person, think that you're, it, it, you, if you as a person of privilege, put it that way, be a little more general, can lose your privilege, well, you've seen what's happened to the people with less privilege than you. And in some cases, it's terrifying, right? I mean, I, I don't think it's any, I don't, I don't blame Persian people, Iranian people, for wanting to be considered white as opposed to black because being black in this country has got to be terrifying, especially relative to white people, right? Um, what's, it's, it's gotta be difficult to say, I'm neither of those things. I, uh, it, I think the, 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 the desire that, that to, to be proximal to whiteness is fucking powerful. And I don't blame people for it, but, it, but, but we gotta find a way out of it if we're gonna get anywhere. You know what I mean? And it is. I mean, my theory is we got to end the, the the idea of whiteness. Period. Like the way the Haitians did with the revolution, they you couldn't be a citizen if you wanted to hold on to that concept. You gotta you you gotta um, you gotta listen to the podcast. Seeing white. That's oh another. gosh, you're just giving me so much research. Seeing white. Seeing white. That's another Chenjerai Kumanika John. 
Um, Damn, loving the education. <laughs> seeing seeing white, uh, yeah, just just look up seeing white. I, I think it goes by a different name, which I forget. But if you if you Google seeing white podcast, you'll 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 get there. Um, yeah, it talks about whiteness as a technology, right? It talks about and and whiteness as um as as property. There's a whole someone did a whole um dissertation on whiteness as property and how different cultures came here. And you know, when you got your whiteness card, because everybody didn't come here white. Italians were not white, Irish were not white. When suddenly you got a white card, you weren't giving that up. You know, you got to live in different areas. You got access to things that you you didn't have before. And I, I, a lot of that giving people the white card was about, you know, the poor farmers joining up against the um against the the, the manufacturers and stuff and they and and the communists were supporting them the communists were supporting the sharecroppers it, it, to rise up and they were like oh we need we need to no we need to break that up hey you people come and join the white club <laughs> yeah for, i mean that's that's actually a big reason that middle eastern people and, and iranians in particular um have been considered white for the last hundred years is because there were there were property disputes in the early 20th century and uh and somehow or another they convinced some like a judge one judge that no we're we're from the tigris and euphrates that's where white people came from so we're we're white basically and they went okay and we've been we've been white on the census ever since. When I applied to UC Berkeley, I had to check off white, and I was like, "This is crazy." And what's hilarious is sometimes on Twitter when I talk about white privilege, I'll have uh, I'll have bros in my comments going, "Hey, I got news for you, buddy. You're white because you're Middle Eastern, and Middle Eastern is white." And I'm like, "Great. Can I get some of that white privilege? <laughs> can I get? Can I? Can I be cast as a fucking lead in a in a romantic comedy in America? Is that going to happen? <laughs> can I? Can I go visit my grandmother uh, in her home country with no problems whatsoever? Is that a white country? <laughs> exactly. As war is being threatened right now. Exactly. Exactly. But but yeah, we got called white a hundred years ago, and I don't blame someone for being like, what you know, what being white is where it's at in this country. So I'm gonna hold on to that. Yeah, I don't blame them either. I don't blame them either. I mean, think of all the black the black people who got to pass. That was one of the reasons that they they that, that there was such um, bigotry against the Appalachian people was because there was so much intermarriage between Native Americans and Blacks and whites that the people from Appalachia could look any way. And so there was this, they, they used to say, they can trick you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, you know. Well, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. You're so smart and you've given me my work to do. M my last question to you is, Tell me something that happened to you that felt like the worst possible thing, but then it turned into the best possible thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm 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 so happy with everything that's happened. Uh, uh, I I think uh, the the only one that comes to mind is I I ended up not getting a Broadway show that I wanted really badly. And um, 
and instead what show uh monsoon dreams monsoon wedding no it was some indian something indian which again i shouldn't have been considered for that but you know white producers are like yeah it doesn't matter um uh i didn't get that uh and then because i didn't get that i was available for uh we will rock you which was a musical uh based on the music of queen and we put that up in las vegas and i lived in las vegas for about nine months and made uh lifelong friends in that show um and uh I was never like really a party guy in college or in uh, or in Los Angeles before I moved to Vegas. And then once I went to Vegas, I mean, it was insane. It's just insane. So it was great. It, that was that was, there like my, that was like my coming of age. Yeah, now I go to Vegas like three times a year for free, thanks to my points and miles expert wife. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know that 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 job ended up having sort of lifelong meaning but but i am incredibly grateful for the lifelong friends that I, that i made of it a lot of people in that show i still uh am close with to this day that's beautiful that's beautiful i, I actually worked in vegas once myself in anita man the blast from the past we did 85 songs in 45 minutes <laughs> good lord <laughs> how fast that show was. <laughs> so yeah. I, I i know how beautiful vegas is vegas is beautiful when you can get out in those red rocks. Yeah, it has great. been my pleasure speaking with you, Amir. Um, just keep doing the work. I, I have no doubt that you will keep um, pushing against, you know, expectations and, and requiring people to step up and be better than themselves. And thank you for taking this time to, to uh, spend an hour with me. Well, thank and, you. And Marissa and Will. Thank you. Thank you both so much. This was great. I love talking to you and I, and I can't wait to see the movie. I'll, I'll probably watch it like this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, you will. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I want you, I want you and Nina to watch it because I might need Nina to be one of my spokes, spokeswomen. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So Does she like scary movies? She doesn't at all. Does she like scary movies? Oh, she doesn't know when that ain't gonna work out. It's scary. <laughs> no, it's, it's not scary. <laughs> No, okay. okay. <laughs> right. Well, you all enjoy yourselves and uh, stay safe. All right, you too. We'll see you on the other Thank side. You. Bye, Thank y'all. you, Amir. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye. How come you don't say no when you need no? Hi, I'm Tanya Pinkins, and I would love to hear from you. You can text me at 917 724 8998. Tell me what you're up to, and I'll let you know what I'm up to. Text me, 917-724-8998. Let's keep in touch. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.